1: fm today i have my monthly guest michelle woodward back and we're going to talk about our relationship to the word power what does it mean what how do we use it how can we run from it what are the things that we do when we uh, you'll hear me call it a dirty word when we make it mean a dirty word so we're going to be talking about these things and this word power and what it really means. And she has a beautiful definition. So I'll circle back with you after the conversation with Michelle Woodward. Thanks so much for listening today. Michelle Woodward, hello and welcome back. I'm excited to talk to you about the word power today. I am on the edge of my
2: seat, literally, because I can't wait to talk to you about the same topic.
1: So power, what does, let's first talk about what we make it mean.
2: You know, I think this really hamstrings so many people. The, you know, who am I to be powerful? I think a lot of people have that thought in their mind or maybe I'd be a jerk if I was powerful or, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think we have all those thoughts in our mind that, um, sometimes it keeps us from really doing anything about power. What, what have you observed?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things that gets in the way for people is if I am powerful, I'm going to impose my will on them, and I don't want to be aggressive like that. So I'm not going to be powerful. Instead, I'm going to go onto this other side of the continuum and be really nice and let people walk over me.
2: Which is another word for passive. Yes, <laughs> I mean, I mean, another, I mean, that's the thing is that, and I think especially for women. You know, the, uh, when you kind of think about what, what has been society's feminine ideal, a lot of times it's the, you know, the kind of quiet, passive um, person who, who doesn't really have much of an opinion. And, and so it's, sometimes I think it's a very difficult thing for women to kind of hold on to the idea of power because then what, you know, what does that mean? I, I, I have this definition of power of the ability to get stuff done. And so to me, you know, if you're a full-time parent and you have the ability to keep a household running, you actually have a ton of power because you're getting stuff done. And if you're an executive who has, you know, the ability to increase revenue by $3 million in the first quarter, you also have power because you've got the ability to get things done. So I like to demystify the idea of power and say it's not, you know, sort of the being a jerk or being inappropriate or being rude. It's your ability to get stuff done.
1: I think that's such a great definition because it takes away all that like dirty mindset stuff, which then can trigger us to go on to the other side, the continuum of the passive, like I had mentioned. So I love your definition of power. When we talked about it before, I really wrapped my brain around it. And um, I think for a long time, instead of using the word power, Michelle, I was going to the word empowered because I was, I power was such a dirty word for me, right? I made it mean such a dirty thing that it was like, Oh, empowered. And when I was thinking about it this morning, as I was thinking about our show today, I thought, wait, there's power is not a bad word. It's what we've made it mean, what we've attributed to it. And if we can define it the way that you do of it's the ability to get stuff done, that's not a bad thing.
2: No, and even if you've got a lot of power, you know, just what popped into my head is somebody like, you know, the former, um, prime minister of Israel, Golda Meir. You know, I mean, when I was a small child, you know, she was one of the few women with power in the world. And, and you think, well, look what Golda Meir was able to create in, in, uh, Israel. You know, and you think about uh, Mother Teresa, you know, somebody, what, what she was able to get done in the slums of Calcutta. So I do think that for a lot of people, male and female, actually, the word power is not what they equate with themselves. And that allows sometimes people to take advantage of them because we're so worried that people are going to think we're something's wrong if we get stuff done. Um that
1: we kind of hold back and that we aren't at our full potential. Mm -hmm. And getting stuff done doesn't, again, it doesn't mean it has to be about imposing our will over other people. It could be about using our voice. It could be about showing up and being powerful in that way, but not about imposing our will against other people. Isn't that right?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, the dream of imposing your will, you know, I think a lot of people have the dream that you know somehow they can they can get the world to be as they'd like it to be but that's i don't think that's really what power you know when you have a lot of power like when i, I cuz you know my background in politics i've been around people with a, a tremendous amount of power who with one phone call can get a lot of stuff done and yet the the most powerful people i know were also some of the most humble people i know some of the more Um, that doesn't mean passive. It's just that they knew that they had the ability to get things done and so they were going to be in integrity as they
1: did it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think that's the boundary of it, isn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: Of being in integrity with the power. So it's not about imposing your will, but getting things done with the boundary of your own personal integrity. And what does that mean?
2: And, you know, there's another aspect to this that I was thinking about as I was preparing for our conversation. And and I've seen this in many of my clients is that, you know, we've talked before about money and money legacy. And, you know, what legacy do we inherit from our families of origin around money? And there's also a legacy piece around power. And I particularly was thinking about one client of mine who's become an executive, you know, college educated, a master's degree And has become an executive, but comes from a very working class, uh, economically insecure family of origin. And one of the biggest challenges this client has had is being a person who has the ability to get things done. Because she looks back at her family and nobody had the capacity to get things done. They were always at the whim. They felt as though, you know, they were always working for the man. Mm -hmm. And now she's the man. And, you know, who am I if I'm somebody, if I can fire somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, who, who ha, why do I have any right to do that? And it's such an interesting dynamic because on the one hand, you can't be a successful leader, a successful executive if you can't come to terms with your ability to get stuff done, what that means. And if you're always holding yourself back by, by, the family legacy, you're also going to feel extraordinarily frustrated. Have, have you ever seen this sort of legacy? I mean, you and I, as long as I've known you, have talked about these family legacy pieces, but I'm really curious about what your experience or what you've observed.
1: Oh, I definitely, I've seen it with my clients. I've lived it myself. I was the first college graduate for both sides of my family. You know, so who was I to go get an education and not get a job? Um, and, and then, so how do you show up and let go of your family of origin story and allow you to be where you are? It, it's about separating that out. Um, instead of having, uh, the differences that can come up at family gatherings, right? Because you could be judged as you're getting too big for your br- britches right? Who do you think you are? And then we can make ourselves small and do the same thing. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And, you know, you're, you think you're too good for Mm -hmm. us, Uh, you know, you're going on your fancy vacations or whatever the situation is. And that, that separation, you know, is so painful for people, the separation from community, however you see your community. Mm -hmm. And, and I think sometimes when you're you know, I, I've i known a lot of members of Congress, United States senators, mayors, governors, that sort of people. And, you know, sometimes it's really painful to feel that s- separation. And I think sometimes people avoid, quote unquote, power because they're concerned that, that they're going to find a separation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that the real integration, the really important integration is to realize that you can hold your ability to get things done on your scale whatever that scale is and love that about you and use it for good instead of for evil (laughs) and and end up you know really making a difference in the world that that's how i when i think about my own personal power i think about my my ability to get things done and to help other people get things done and i'm sort of I'm easy with it because I've got it, you know, and
1: it's just a given, if -hmm. that makes any sense. And so when when you're with your personal power and you've got it, there's nothing that's holding you back about, ooh, I'm getting too big for my britches.
2: Well, when I get too big for my britches, I just start exercising more and eating less. (laughs) It's really my whole approach. So there, you can put that on a a uh, potholder or something like that. No, I, I think, you know, the thing is what I try to do is I try to size up the other person's where the other person's coming from.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, I always try to connect on a really personal level with, you know, whomever I'm relating with. And if they're not comfortable with their own personal power, I don't really knock them over the head with mine. Mm-hmm. um, but I also don't put mine under a bushel. You know, I don't, I don't hide, you know, like I'll be at a party or something or a coffee or something. And someone will say something about, oh, I saw that you said something on social media or I saw you quoted in this article or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it was awesome. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Because I think like Marianne Williamson says, you know, when I stand in my power unabashedly, that's not exactly how she says it, but when I stand in my power, I allow other people to stand in their power too. I, I make it possible for me to say, yeah, it was awesome to be quoted in the Harvard Business Review. Mm-hmm. It allows somebody else to say, you know, it was really off, off, awesome to be, um, you know, named Girl Scout troop leader of the year. You know, I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so whatever your, again, whatever your sphere of uh, the ability to get things done is, like, why not rejoice in it?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I do think that gives people so much permission because so often, and that it's counterintuitive because so often we want to say, oh, I mean, I just saw this on Facebook where somebody had posted something on a friend of mine and said, oh my gosh, you were in the Wall Street Journal. You're one of the top realtors in the country. And And so often we just have a hard time of receiving that and accepting that. And what you did was you owned your power. You owned, this is what I did. And then that becomes an example for other people of it's okay to receive and say thank you. It's okay to own your power. You help give people permission to receive their own power and to own their own power, don't you think?
2: Oh, I think absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that famous Marianne Williamson quote, um, you know, our, our greatest fear is not that we're weak. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And, and I think that is our, our fear is that, oh my gosh, I have the ability to get things done. Now what,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> you know, and what if I, I fail and you and I have talked before about, you know, the gifts of failure and the gifts of imperfection as Brene Brown would say. And, you know, the, when you have the ability to th- get things done, that's so much more important than whether or not you succeed or fail, you know, it's. Just the, the ability to try mm-hmm. um, is so, so important. I mean, that's what I would want for my
1: kids, you know, just to try. Oh, I was just working on this with the client this morning. <laughs> of course you were. That's the way it goes. Her belief was, um, even if I do everything, it's not going to matter because I'm not going to get the result that I want.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she may not get the results she wants, but she might get a better result. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, that, that again, we're back to the conversation that seems like we always get in, but there's the difference between lack and abundance. Mm-hmm. You know, I just finished reading a book called um, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. I don't know if you know this book, mm-hmm. but um, several of our mutual friends were reading it. And so I thought, well, I'll enter into the conversation by reading the book too. And, and in essence, this, gentleman um who was the ceo of webmd at one point Mm um anyway he he just talked about a decision he made at one point in his life to just kind of be in the flow and surrender to whatever life kind of offered in in essence saying yes as often as he could say yes um you know saying yes as long as he was in integrity and then kind of how his life unfolded from there, because I think he's probably in his 70s at this point. Anyway, it was the the interesting idea. This, the, I think that's, that's such an interesting idea is surrendering, you know, to, to say, OK, I'm in the flow. I have a good intention. I'm in my integrity. I am not shy about my ability to get things done. So I'm going to I'm going to act in this way. I have no idea what the outcome is going to be. But because I'm all lined up this way, the outcome is going to be probably what I intend or even better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a, a mind-blowing stance, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like I'm in integrity. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not, I'm not compromising myself. I have an intention to do good. I have the ability to get things done. I'm going to put things in motion, and then I'm just going to see what happens. You know, it blows your mind because especially for recovering control freaks like me, that's like, wow. But I have found when I do it, totally materially changes my experience in life. Have you ever seen that?
1: That's something, you know, because I'm a recovering control freak too. And that's something that I'm really trying to practice or I'm really practicing is putting it out there. The one thing I'll add to that is that, you know, after I go through the experience, I always circle back. Because I always, I believe that reflection is a great learning opportunity and to notice like, okay, what were some of the thoughts? What were the things that I had concerned about? And when I made that decision to let go, what transpired in this situation? What can I learn from it? How can I move this forward in other aspects of my life?
2: You know that I'm so happy that you brought that up because I, um, I have that personal planning tool,
1: you know, that hold, I... hold on, stop a second, Michelle, you're sounding funny. Did like you, not ha-ha funny? Now you're good. Okay. Sorry. That's right. Okay. So go back to this. Okay. So it's funny that you
2: say that because I have this personal planning tool that I've created. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I have it oh, for yes. free on my website. And that's, you know, it's a reflective tool, mm-hmm. which I love because um, now we have a little echo. Do you hear it? No. <laughs> Okay. I I just, it's probably me. Okay. Okay. So start all
1: over from the personal planning tool.
2: So it's funny that you mentioned that because I have a personal planning tool that I created um, that's available on my website at no charge. And I really do, did try to create it in a way that gets people to reflect on, you know, the past six months. So what happened in the past six months that surprised me? You know, where did I disappoint myself? And, you know, even if you just ask those questions about any experience, I went and gave a keynote speech. What surprised me? What um, where did I disappoint myself, if any place? And I do think that being reflective really, really makes a huge difference in your ability to, you know, course correct um, and ensure that you do a better job next time.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it's that growth mindset from Carol Dweck. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, Oh, I made a mistake. What can I learn from it? Or here are the things that I've doing really well and I want to keep doing this. And it's, it's in line with my values. And I think that circling back, you keep mentioning, am I in line with my integrity? That's that circling back of, okay, these, this is how I want to lead the organization or my workplace or my family. Is this in line with our values? Is this in line with our purpose? And so I think there's this constant circling back to check in and that's personal responsibility. And I, ultimately, I think that is where power is rooted from, of having that personal responsibility where you have that ability to go, am I leading from a place that's in line with my own integrity and doing that kind of checks and balance. And I think the hard thing,
2: uh, you prompt a thought in my mind, the hard thing is is to rely on that internal validation you know, rather than mm-hmm. external validation around our own personal power. You know, I think where a lot of us are raised and we're schooled to to ask permission, is it okay if I'm powerful at this moment? You know, mm-hmm. can I raise my hand and talk in class? And so I, I have a lot of clients who are not, um, what's the word I want to say? They're, they don't believe their own personal power unless somebody else tells them it's okay That they have it and it's okay to use it. And I think that this, this is the journey maybe of a lifetime, but is to rely more on that internal sense of self responsibility, sense of awareness. I have this power. I have the ability to get stuff done and I'm going to get good stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to really worry about the external, the external. Whether I get any validation or anything like that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: What do you think about the difference between internal and external validation?
1: Uh, so recovering approval whore over here. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> you're really in recovery. <laughs> yes, I'm in recovery lots of places. So I think a validation, like, cause I was really good about seeking it and wanting permission and seeking other people. And as soon as you do that, what I would do, it was kind of like if you're trying, you know, we're in a drought in California, but it's like instead of filling up bowls of water, I had a colander and I was filling it up with people's approval and it was going out the other end. So it was never staying. There was a flow coming through, but I was never catching it. And so it's not very lasting, obviously, getting the approval. And, and they didn't really, it, it makes you feel better like eating that third bowl of ice cream when you're having a pity party for yourself, right? It doesn't really feel good. We kind of think it does. So when I have been able to own my own power, seek my own approval, check into what do I think? And there are times that I may check in with, some people who've earned the right, you know, to hear my story or who are down in the, like as Brene would say, down on the arena floor, getting their butt kicked too. So they really understand what it's like to do whatever the situation may be um, and have that perspective. So for example, if you're parenting teens, you, you have an understanding of what it's like to parent teens. And I might be willing to hear some feedback versus from maybe somebody else who may not be parenting teens. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, like, like your, your, uh, in my case, brother, who didn't have any children, and said, I would never allow my children to blah, 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 blah. And I'm look, I remember my own brother did that. I'm like, wait, just you wait, buddy, until <laughs> you have kids. And then you, and it darned, if it wasn't, you know, he was doing the exact same thing, because, you know, especially with toddlers, what mm-hmm. can you do? Mm hmm. Right. You know, it's like, the, the I, I want to kind of go back to that idea of the flow and being in integrity and kind of understanding your personal power. So I didn't tell you how I lost 20 pounds in a week, did I? No. Okay. So you know how I lost 20 pounds in a week? How? I decided I had lost 20 pounds. I know this sounds like totally crazy, but I just decided I wasn't going to weigh myself anymore. I had I had lost 20 pounds and I felt great about it. And I told myself, "God, you look great! you've lost twenty pounds. Look at you, and I started eating like somebody who was twenty pounds less. I started exercising more like somebody who was twenty pounds less. People started commenting, "I'm not kidding you. People started commenting. My daughter said, "Mom, how much weight have you lost since I've been home from college? You're so skinny." A friend of mine the other night we went to a baseball game, she said, "You are so thin, and it was because in my mind, I decided i'm I'm 20 pounds lighter, and I dress 20 like I'm 20 pounds lighter, and I carry myself. I stand tall, and this is personal power. I have no idea whether I have lost 20 pounds or not because I don't get on the scale, but I <laughs> feel great. I look great. I get compliments everywhere I go, and you know, you can say it's arguing with reality, but you know what? My intention is very clear. I'm backing it up. I'm behaving in a certain way and I'm totally square with it, and people are telling me, without me saying anything, Mm -hmm. people are saying to me, wow, what have you done? Isn't that crazy?
1: (laughs) That is awesome. I know. (laughs) Well, and I love how you explained that you decided. and then decided. And then the way you stand, the way you talk to yourself, even the way you eat, and how that's all changing because you decided. And that, I think, is so important is that when we choose to own our power, and we make that decision and that commitment to it, how do you show up in your life? Like if I'm going to live that I'm an executive
2: Mm -hmm. with 700 people working for me, Mm -hmm. I have the ability to get stuff done Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it from a place of integrity and it's not going to separate me from people. It's going to actually, people are going to feel this sense of
1: joint purpose Mm -hmm. and connection Like, that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Well, and so that just got me thinking. So, you know, the whole family dynamics, right? What if you decide that this isn't going to separate us, that we are still connected, even though the family may not have this kind of job experience that I now have? What do you think about that? I think you can just decide, absolutely decide. Because if, you know,
2: then because if somebody... Somebody else's, you know, personal sovereignty says that they um, they want to have a separation between you. That kind of becomes their thing, not your thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then it's like I'm not going to do anything to say, yeah, I'm driving, uh, you know, a better car. I have a better house, whatever. I'm going to be looking in your eyes and saying, I'm so glad you're my cousin. You know, I'm so glad you're my sister. I'm so glad you're my mother. Whatever you are to me in, in our family or our community, I'm just going to relate to you as a person, which is what we want to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and plus, if you're going to say I drive a better car or I'm a better person, you're in scarcity. That's all shame-based stuff. True. That's, you know, it's comparison scarcity. It's all there. So that's not, and then that will be a division. But if you're in this place of, I'm going to decide that we are going to be connected, you're not going to be looking for the things that are different. You're going to be looking for how are we connected? How do we connect with each other?
2: You know, I read, I don't know, I don't know where I read it because as you know, I read way too much stuff. But I, I remember reading that the highest, um, highest marker of human development is when you are at the place where you're able to see your inner relationship, your connection with everybody. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't know them, even if you don't speak to them by name, but you know that you see the humanity in the street person Mm -hmm. as much as you see the humanity in Oprah Winfrey, Mm -hmm. you know, that you you greet everybody and you see that shared humanness in all people. And I guess that's what you're kind of saying, too, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, when Jill Bolte Taylor was on my show, I mean, that was one of the things that we got out of the show was that we are all connected. You know, whoever we are it doesn't matter the titles or the education or the money. We're all humans and we're all connected. And one of my life theme songs is this theme song from Cheers. And so one of the things that I try to cultivate, whether it's on the show, in any probably social gathering, and definitely on the swim team that I lead is a place you go where everybody knows your name, where people are all the same, you know, and it doesn't matter your, and especially on our team, we have people that, um, You know, are famous. They're, they're doing this big research. You know, they're professors. They've had all these different acclaims. And then we've had people who are showing up that may not have those titles, but they matter just as much as somebody else. And so that's something that I always tried to, it's like we are all human beings going through this experience. How can we connect?
2: You know, I saw a thing on the news, um, either last night or this morning of this man being pulled out of a burning car. Uh, father commuting home from work. So I guess it must have been last night. And, you know, his car burst into flames and absolute strangers stopped their cars and pulled him out. And, um, you know, he was in tears saying, you know, my children will thank these people for the rest of their lives because their father's life was saved. And I thought, you know, this is an example of humanity, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't know these people. They didn't know his name, but they saw somebody in trouble. And, um, and they stepped up and, and that is also personal power. You know, I have the ability to make something happen. I see this car burning and there's a man inside it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have the ability to run over there, open the door and pull that guy out and I'm going to do it. And so power is not necessarily leading a, a humongous, you know, team of people or being a multimillionaire or any of that stuff. It's the ability to know I have the ability to make something happen. I have the ability to get stuff done Mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in integrity and in alignment with kindness, with, um, you know, the ability to embrace a lot of people as I do it. Well, like
1: that's a beautiful way to live. It is a beautiful way to live. And, And to be able to frame it in the ability of, I have the ability to get stuff done. It's really, really clean right? there's it, the, And we can own that, whether it's getting stuff done in the kitchen, getting stuff done in our jobs, getting stuff done um, in other aspects of our lives. It's just the having the ability to get stuff done. And when you think about it, I remember when my daughter was two and she was trying to get something from the top shelf of the pantry. She's like, I can do it. She was owning her own power. It's like, mom, I don't need your help. I can do it. Let me do it. And when we could do that and have that mindset, it's like what you're talking about earlier, boom, what are the possibilities that are open for us? Right.
2: And, and you know, I was reading uh, also this morning about um, helicopter parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and how uh, uh, college students have a higher rate of depression today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think there's a lot to do with helicopter parents. And of course, I might, that's my kid's age. And I think one of the greatest things to see is to see the personal efficacy, the power that my 19-year-old and my 22-year-old are showing in their day-to-day lives. You know, they are. They have the ability to feed themselves, to um, know when to go to sleep, know when to say yes, when to say no. You know, to they have the power to create lasting and meaningful friendships. I love that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's that not only when they're two and saying I can, I can do this, mom. But when they're 20 and they're saying, you know what, I got this. You don't have to talk to the dean, right? You don't have to make that call on my behalf. I got this. Mm -hmm. And how, what a great thing to see that flowering of their own personal power.
1: Yeah, it it really, really is so beneficial. And instead we try to uh, prepare the path for the child instead of prepare the child for the path. Right and, and that's really, really important. I was uh talking with a friend, and she was saying that, um parents have called up to say, "Well, why didn't my child get hired at this job oh yeah, and i and I was you know, and I was so surprised because I know like when Brene Brown has been on my show, we've talked about how the professors at the graduate school. Are go through trainings about how not to engage with parents calling about their kids because this is graduate school. And I remember being surprised some years ago about that. And then to find that it's now escalated to the jobs. I mean, I've heard for a number of years about it being in the college systems and a lot of schools like UC Davis. It once your kid is 18 and they're in the college campus, the, the everybody within the college, the university community is not allowed to communicate anything because Mm -hmm. it's between, and they're really trying to teach the parents that it's between the child, or not the child, the student, and the university, and and it's trying to segue the parents out.
2: I I don't get grades. Mm -hmm. You know, the grades don't come to me, even though we're, you know, I'm paying, Mm -hmm. but the the grades don't come to me, and really, nor should they,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because it's my child's experience, not mine. Mm -hmm. There are some private schools, though, that... um, do have waivers where where mm-hmm. parents can sign it and children can sign or the the adult children can sign it and allow their parents to get stuff. And I, I think I my hunch is that it's because the um the some you know people if that's what some people have wanted some parents have wanted. Right. So
2: so yeah, but you know that back to I mean that the power fostering the ability for people to see that they have the power in their own sphere, again, however it needs to be exercised for them, whether it's your children, your your elderly parents, you know, that's a very difficult time, time too because a lot of them are feeling less and less power over themselves and what they do. But to even to to let them know they still have the ability to get some things done,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, I think can, can buoy people's sense of
1: purposefulness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit a really important point about power is that we want people to have their, be able to own their power so that they can believe in themselves that they have the ability to get things done. Right. Right. And right. Absolutely. And so when we take that away from our kids by clearing out the path for them, they're, we're thinking that they're going to be happier, but really they don't feel that sense of power. So it, it get, we don't get the actual results that we're hoping to get. Right. I want to talk a bit about, um, nice versus the B word because I remember when I was a young coach at the college and I was a head coach and, you know, I was 23 years old. So I had this belief, remember about power. And so I thought either you are a B word or you're nice. And if you're nice, you get run over. And so I decided I, I made a, I made a huge decision and said, I'd rather be a B word. I don't want to be run over. And what I've learned. <laughs> Because that wasn't a fun way to operate. You should have seen my meetings with my with my assistant coaches explaining because I would explain this to them. But what I've learned through the years and in leadership is that it's really about being that compassionate place where I don't have to be – it's not either or. I can be compassionate because compassionate people have boundaries and I can own my power, but I'm in that space in between. Remember, I keep talking about this continuum. The way I see it is that I'm in the space in between And I can be powerful here because I can have boundaries. I can have my values. And that is a much better way for me energetically than being one or the other. What are your thoughts about power and the B word?
2: Well, you know, it's it's so interesting when you put it in sort of a context or a timeline. You know, there was a time in the world where power was very concentrated. The ability to get stuff done was very concentrated. And so people who didn't feel that they had any power... Looked at people in power as kind of arrogant jerks because there was this disparity, and then over time, as as things have evolved and changed, you know, the the thought is: once I have power, I have to be a b word um, because everybody I've seen and in the media and movies and stuff, people powerful people are are jerks. Then. Um, then there becomes that, that also that conflict, that um, dissonance. I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be a B word. And yet I have power. How do I hold that? And so what your 23 year old self chose was to be a B word because that's, (laughs) I know it's like we're talking around it, but that's because that's what you had seen in some ways modeled for you, right? Mm-hmm. And what what I think is that you're right, that that sort of that middle ground where you're you know you're intact in your boundaries, you're you're confident in yourself, you are um, you have a good sense of humor and and so then a challenge to you is not an affront. It's not a um, you know, it's not a, a verdict on your worthiness. It's really just somebody raising an issue. So, you know, in one of my political jobs, I was the executive director of a, of a commission. And one of the members was Senator Dianne Feinstein. We had three senators, three Congress, three members of Congress and four members of the public. And I use quotes, air quotes around public because they were not really, they were just people, you know, powerful, famous people. Anyway, but Dianne Feinstein to me was the, was the only, um female member of Congress that was on the, in the commission. And, you know, she walked in the room. You knew when she walked in the room, not because she was a diva or because, you know, trumpets sounded when she walked in the room, but she just had this confident air and this sense of power. And when she spoke every, even though there were extremely powerful people in the room, People listened to her and why did they listen to her? I think it was because she, comfortable in her own skin, knew exactly what she was doing, knew exactly what power she held, was not threatened by anybody else around the table. And in essence was looking for what was their point of view and their perspective so she could understand it. And her, I believe her intention was, how can we find, how can we find a way out? How can we find a way, a solution to what we were looking at? And I think that's how you hold power without being the B word
1: is, is that kind of, that set of characteristics. What do you think? Oh, I think that's, yes, exactly. And I love these characteristics intact in your boundaries, confident in yourself, having good humor, comfortable in your own skin. You said knowing exactly what she was doing, you know, I call that clarity. Mm-hmm. And then asking the question of, okay, how can we find the solution? So when we talk about power, I think the other side that's really important is these are the characteristics to build upon so that you can be comfortable in your power. And those were some of the things that as a 23-year-old younger self, I was missing. Right. You know, I didn't know what my values were. Didn't even have any hindsight. To, didn't even have any insight to look into what my values were. Uh, you know, I knew to work hard. I had a great work ethic, confidence in self. I didn't have a whole lot of confidence in myself, especially being a new person in a workplace, right? I had confidence in myself in other aspects of my life, but maybe not necessarily there. So I think that these are characteristics. So for the listeners out there that are struggling with power is to look at these characteristics and how are you doing with those aspects? What do you think?
2: Yeah. And you know, even, and going back to Carol Dweck's work, you know, having that learner mindset, mm-hmm. I, I I often coach people and give them like a little tiny script when they're in a moment. And the moment is the the script is to say, "I know what I think, but I'd really like to hear what you think." You know, because that that is that bid for connection, that bid for understanding. It's not saying I have freaking no clue. It's like I I have an idea of what I what I'm thinking here, but I would love to hear what you think. And for some people in certain circumstances, that's actually a very powerful move Mm -hmm. because you're getting to yes, so to speak, whatever the yes looks like rather than being ego bound and saying, no, it's my way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's gotta be this way. I had a golf coach. I mean, I know you're, you know, you're a swim coach, but I had a golf coach once and, uh, there was a contrast. So she was, there were two golf coaches in this place that I went to and one golf coach made everybody have exactly the same swing. So you could see 10 golfers and you could see which ones had worked with this guy because their swings all looked exactly the same. Mm -hmm. You could see which ones worked with the other golf pro because her theory was I'm not going to make you have a cookie cutter swing. I'm going to amplify the best parts of your swing. So you have best results. Right. And so what was interesting is the one who everybody had the same swing, everybody's outcome was completely different Mm -hmm. because their upper body strength was different, their age was different, you know, their athletic ability was different. They all had the exact same swing, different results. On the other woman's, the other pro's um, approach, everybody had these crazy different swings, but everybody was hitting the ball the best way they could.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes a huge difference. I think it does make a huge difference. I want to, um, before we go, cause our time is starting to get shorter is I want us to go back to, um, we talked about a little bit, but boundaries and the importance of boundaries with, uh, power. And why is that important?
2: Well, one—if you really have—if you really have power, I mean, you really have the ability to get things done. You have the ability, for instance, get people hired.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I have to say, not humble bragging at all—I have this because mm-hmm. I have a good network. Um, when I recommend somebody for a job, they're usually taken pretty seriously. So this is a pretty big power, mm-hmm. you know—ability to c- call a friend and say, "Hey, I know this guy'd be perfect for this job. Let me introduce you." And the person often gets hired. So that's a big, you know, that's a, I think it's a lot of power there
0: mm-hmm. in a certain
2: way. And, um, if I'm not, if I don't have boundaries around it, I end up having a lot of people seeking my help and I would be in a position of recommending poor candidates, not necessarily, but I might be because of pressure or whatever. And then my, my reputation suffers and I, then I lose the ability to help people find jobs because I'm not recommending really good clients, uh, good candidates. Mm -hmm. So I think in boundaries of, of, of knowing what that power is and why it works and, and really saying no to, to people who, or to opportunities or whatever that, that don't really support that ability to get things done.
1: Does that make any sense whatsoever? It, it totally makes sense. And and I too um, have do recommend a lot of people for jobs. And one of the things is that I have to have the boundaries of knowing, you know, my my desire of wanting to help people could overrun. Like, ooh, are they going to be a good fit? And so I really have to go back into, are they going to be a good fit? Could this person, do they have the skill set? Do they have the characteristics that will be successful for this job instead of the, oh, that emotional entanglement if I really want to help them. And that's where I think for me, boundaries be- can become really, really important. And then the other side of the boundaries is also when you have power is having the the boundaries around your values. Mm-hmm. Are you doing this because you, again, you want to impose your will on people or are you doing this because it's it's tied into the company's values, your values, you know, your... Uh, like with one of my clients, it's with the industry's values. Are you doing it that way? Or are you in, And boundaries become really important because you're not in the scarcity mindset. Well, like, let's look at like, not to
2: disparage an entire industry, but use car salesmen, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there is a certain cultural ethic in uh, a lot in a lot of the kind of what we might call fly by night, you know, kind of use car salesperson. I've always felt like if, if you could really be in that business and be in integrity and say to your post, uh, potential cl- customer, how can I help you solve your transportation problem?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You would have so much credibility. You would probably sell so many cars if you partnered with your potential customer rather than seeing, Ooh, how can I, how can I sell them something they don't need and have them pay too much money? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the boundary, I think you have to have that boundary around people may ask too much of you when they realize you have power. Mm -hmm. You also have to have the boundary of knowing when your power is not needed, Mm -hmm. um, when it's time for somebody else to have their power. And I I, I do think you have to understand where
1: the edges of of it are. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And how does power attract people?
2: Well, people who feel like they don't have it. You know, are drawn to people who they feel like do have it because they think one, that'll, that'll fill my gap. Two, it'll make things easier for me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've had people and you've probably had people too, coaches who feel like if they are my friend, then I will send them a lot of business and therefore their life will get easier. (laughs) And that doesn't actually work with me. Surprisingly, it just doesn't. I'd much rather empower them. Help them find that within themselves to attract their own darn clients. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how does power repel again from people?
2: Again, I I think that if you are if you feel like you have a deficit and you're not um, square with what power is and what it means, you it can represent that legacy piece of only people with power. I mean, people with power are jerks, mm-hmm. and so it can repel because if someone perceives you have power. Um, or perceives that anybody has power, then, then that might be, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to label them mm-hmm. as you know, a jerk, difficult, uh, the B word, whatever, um, because they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you feel
1: estranged. Both pe- pe- people feel estranged. What do you think? Well, I have a question for you before I go into what I think. Okay. So you're a person that owns your power. Do you believe, do you think that you, there are some people that you repel because mm-hmm. of your power? Hell
2: yes, are we allowed to say hell? Sure. Hell yes, um, of course. I mean, I think I I think there are a lot of people who um are not a lot, you know, some uh-huh. who uh, or I guess I would say more frequently or more usually, I find people say, "Wow, this isn't at all what I expected,"
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that that actually makes me happy because then they've kind of gotten to know who I really am as opposed to some other idea. I, I've never wanted to be an idea. I'd rather be a person, mm-hmm. you know. So, um so that's so that's good. So, you know, I I whenever that happens to me, I think, well, you know, that's their stuff.
1: Mhm. I like to think that uh yeah, this person's telling me a lot about them. Yeah. So What a gift. <laughs> <laughs> and as we wrap up, um, what are any final thoughts about power that you want to
2: share? You know, again, I think the the, there was one key takeaway. It's that every human being from, you know, baby to 107 years old has some power because they have the ability. Every person has the ability to get something done. And so if you can focus on what it is that you can get done as opposed to what you can't, or the barriers, then I think the more, you've, more you're more you able to get things done and own that, the more centered, grounded, um, happy you'll feel and you feel like you really are making progress. So this is a little bit of a different view than what the world tells us to do. We, the world tells us to focus on where we aren't. I say mm-hmm. focus on where you are and what you're capable of doing and then just let that expand.
1: Oh. I love that. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's my pleasure. I can't wait till next time. It'll be great. So what do you think? What do you think about this definition of power and what we can make it mean? And how do you show up with this word power in your life? What do you do? I'm going to give you a moment here. As I shared in this conversation with Michelle, I used to either really use it forcefully or I'd run away from it. Didn't want, how can I as a woman be powerful? And I love Michelle's definition. It's about the ability to get things done. And so today preparing for this show, I looked up the definition of power and here are a few examples. The ability to act or produce an effect, which is essentially what Michelle was saying. Ability to get extra base hits. The capacity for being acted upon or undergoing an effect. So when we think about power, if we can get away from this dirty reference that if I have to use power, it has to be corrupt, it doesn't have to be, but it's about owning your own power. And remember, it's about owning your own power and being in line with your integrity. And that's where the the absolute power corrupts absolutely. You're not in line with your integrity then and we can impose our will upon people. But really being in a place where we're grounded and we can own our power, own our sense, but we're in line with our own integrity and I think importantly, our values, and we can check in. One of the things that I think is so important, and I referenced it in the conversation with Michelle, but it's this ability to circle back. And Carol Dweck talks about the growth mindset and really what a growth mindset does, is, or a person with a growth mindset does, is they circle back. They go back, they check in, they reflect. How did that work out compared to what I thought? How are the results compared to what I want it to be? And let's look at why the results may have been different without defining ourselves or judging ourselves instead of saying, oh, see, I'm, I'm a bad person, which is what can happen in a fixed mindset, but in a growth mindset of, oh, what can I learn from this? How can I do it better next time? How can I get more in line with my integrity? And constantly doing that reflective process that Michelle and I talked about being so important, us checking back in with ourselves. I also love this idea about the characteristics of power, right? Being intact with our boundaries, confident in ourselves, having good humor, being really comfortable in our own skin, and the clarity to know exactly what you want and what you're doing. That's so important because so often we don't. And it doesn't mean you need to start out that way, having exact clarity. Give yourself the space to figure it out and make a decision, realizing there aren't any wrong or right answers. And then when you have all of those areas, the boundaries, the confidence in self, the good humor, being comfortable in your own skin, clarity, then you can ask yourself, okay. How can we find a solution and get people? And this is a practice that I'm going to continue to practice, to, to work on in my own life. And remember, this is always a practice. It's not about perfection. It's not about doing it right or that if you, you may lose it, you, there's nothing to lose. It's a practice. And sometimes we go off road a bit. We need to come back or we want to come back to get in line with our you know, own personal integrity, with our values. And there's no right or wrong way. And it's about circling in, circling back, checking back in. And sometimes it's about circling back with a person that maybe we did impose our will with and maybe that wasn't quite the intention. So I love the characteristics because those are things like maybe you're not intact with your own boundaries and you can check in with that. Well, what do you want to do that would be different? How can you get yourself aligned with your boundaries? Are you lacking confidence in yourself? And why is that? What what are the thoughts in your head going on? Are they full of self-beatings and self-hatred? Self-doubt? Why is that? Are you telling yourself stories that are not true? Or are you telling yourself the truth? But really paying attention to why are you lacking confidence in yourself? My hunch is it's, it's the thoughts that you're telling yourself. Having you good humor. The ability to laugh at yourself right? The ability to not laugh at yourself, but with yourself. The ability to laugh at life is so important. Being comfortable in your own skin and noticing when you aren't. There are times that I'm extremely comfortable in my own skin and there are times that I can get triggered. So really understanding what that's all about. Clarity. Having clarity. What is it that you want? So when you're using your power, what is that? What is the power for? What is the influence that you're trying to get done? What is the, your ability to get something done? What is it you're trying to get done? And really thinking it out instead of just reacting. Sometimes I get into that reaction mode because I'm like, oh, here's a problem. Let me fix it. And it's like, wait, is this what even the person is asking for? And stopping and checking back in and giving myself permission that it's not the race to who can answer it the first and the fastest. And I can do that sometimes with email and i really practice. I remind myself just because an email comes in my inbox doesn't mean I have to answer it right away. I can think about what I want to say. So I love those characteristics and those are something to think about for you. What are some of the characteristics that are important to you for your power? And I love this other idea about the legacy piece around power? What is the legacy piece that you want to have around power? Who is it that you want to be? I mean, there's so many questions that I'm asking right now. And the thing is, is find that one that really resonates with you and then take it out into your life and really practice that. Take a look at that. So those are the things about power. And I love the fact that now power is being reframed in my life. And it's not this dirty word. It's not this, I'm imposing my will on somebody else or corrupting. Absolutely. It's about owning my own power. And I used to make it, like I said, better by thinking about empowering, empowerment, but allowing myself to be powerful and grounded with who I am. And how do I want to show up in my life? So I really love this new relationship that I have with the word power and really owning my power. I want to know now, what does power mean to you? Is it still a dirty word? And what do you think of Michelle's definition of power? You can let me know what you think of this definition of power by leaving an iTunes review. Thanks so much for those of you that have been finding ways to leave iTunes reviews for the show. I appreciate it and it really helps the show. You can also join our community at howshereallydoesit.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter to get even more great resources to create a life you love, plus some insights. Me that I only share in the emails and updates, and you will always receive updates about future episodes so you never have to worry about missing a show. It's in your inbox every Friday. A special thanks to Michelle for having a valuable conversation for you. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, leave a comment there. And it's time to do a shout out to Misty Lou01 for taking the time to leave a comment on iTunes. Don't worry, there are directions on the show notes about what to click to write a review. And the things that we talked about in the show, I have links on our show notes page. So the personal planner, the book, the surrender experiment, there are links there, so you can go straight to the show notes and click on those. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you, and you can own your power in your way.
0: She's dreaming, she is drifting, never been so